This is Light On, Light Through, Episode 16, Digging Round, Further Adventures in Gate Opening. Well, first, Happy New Year. I hope all of you are doing well. One of the things I've been doing in the last few days, or the first few days of the new year, is continuing my whirlwind, worldwide web tour of new media without gatekeepers. And one of the places that this tour has brought me to is dig.com, D-I-G-G, where readers, not editors, decide what's in the headlines, what makes the front page, because there are no editors. First, the basics about dig. You, anyone, can become a user or participant on the system as easily as you can on MySpace, as easily as you can get a Gmail account, Yahoo, all the rest. And once you have an account on Dig, you can submit a story. That is, you can list on Dig an already existing story. It could come from any place, from any online venue, a blog, a newspaper online, whatever, as long as it has a URL. But actually, I discovered a few days ago that apparently MySpace is blocked as a place from which people can draw stories to list on Dig. I'll get into that a little later. Anyhow, most of the stories on Dig are about some aspect of news, entertainment, business, tech news, They even have a place for oddball news. And Dig also has listings for videos and podcasts. But listing is just the beginning of digging on Dig. And it's by no means the most revolutionary aspect of Dig. Because once a story is listed, it can be dug by any other members of Dig, including, I assume, people named Doug. So you could have Doug digging a story. Doug, Doug, a story. Uh, Never mind. People on Dig also have the option of burying a story. And in fact, there are these little thumbs up and thumbs down things. Uh, If you click on a thumbs up, that's digging a story. If you click on a thumbs down, that's burying a story. And stories can just be ignored, too. You don't have to dig or bury them. And the more net digs a story has, net digs being the total number of digs minus the berries, the more net digs the story has, the higher it gets in the rankings. And the highest ranked stories make the front page, where they can be seen and ranked by everyone who logs on to dig. Newly entered stories get put in a high-profile upcoming category section where they'll sink or swim. That is, if by sinking, they get buried or get too few digs to make the front page. And of course, as you might expect, this happens to most of the stories that are put on dig. Users can also comment on stories, and these comments themselves can be dug or buried. But... Buried comments are still viewable. All you have to do is click on the title of a buried story, and it magically comes back to life. And by the way, it's not such a terrible thing for a story to be buried, because just also the other day, 
I saw a lot of people talking about the story that was the most buried story on Dig. So uh, you can achieve a notoriety and a fame of sorts if your story is more buried than any other story. So, hey, maybe I should put something up there about the plot to save Socrates or light on, light through, and everyone can bury it, and I'll become famous that way. Now, if this system, Dig, seems Wikipedian to you, I'd agree. What Wikipedia is to encyclopedias, Dig is to news media. In both cases, the reader has replaced the expert editor. In both places the aggregate of humanity, rather than the professional few, are calling the shots. Now, there are some differences, of course, between Wikipedia and Dig. Wikipedia is even more open to unidentified masses. Anyone can edit on Wikipedia. You don't even need an account. And, of course, Befitting an encyclopedia, the best articles live forever in equi accessibility on Wikipedia, which also, by the way, doesn't put new articles up for a vote unless someone sees a problem with them. In contrast, on Dig, sooner or later, articles fall in the listings out of sight and out of mind of most readers. But the similarities are impressive considering that Dig and Wiki are, after all, two different systems. Dig, like Wiki, is constantly embroiled in the struggle between light and darkness. You heard me talking about this on the episode of Light On, Light Through that I did about Wikipedia a couple of months ago. This constant struggle between vandals and builders. This is the daily tableau on both Wikipedia and on Dig. For example, on Dig, a vandal would be someone who puts up links to the same bogus article with cleverly different URLs. Or a vandal with a couple of hundred friends on Dig can make a lame or even non-existent article very popular. People who want to game the system on Dig have an abundance of opportunities. And just as Wikipedians can sometimes remove worthwhile articles in their attempt to keep the encyclopedia up to standards that are often blurry and unclear, such as the neutral point of view that you see talked about so much on Wikipedia, well, Dig can keep certain articles out of its system, whatever their quality. And so getting back to what I said before about MySpace, for some reason, maybe because someone put up a link to a bogus story on MySpace, uh, I didn't investigate this fully enough to figure out why this happened. But for some reason, uh, at least today, and I don't know how long this will continue, you can't add an article to Dig that has a MySpace origin. Obviously, the people who run Dig put something into the system to prevent that. I assume this is because they're trying to minimize vandalism. But the fact is, let's say there's a great article on MySpace. The people who read Dig are now deprived of reading that blog entry or article. So you can see here that once you reintroduce the expert, 
the person or people who call the shots for everyone else. Once you take it out of the hands of everyone, you reintroduce the same old gatekeeping problems. But as I do with Wikipedia, I think the pros far outweigh the cons on DIG, precisely because the system does usually get input from everyone, not just the pros. The pros outweigh the cons, in other words, because the pros are not calling the shots. In our old media system, to use just one example, Walter Cronkite used to end his CBS evening newscast with the words, and that's the way it was. But the truth is, that kind of newscast did and still does reflect the way that a tiny group of editors think you should think that it was. Well, I guess that would have been a lot to admit at the end of a newscast. And to this very day, pick up your copy of the New York Times, and you'll see that box on the upper left-hand part of the front page. It says you're getting all the news that's fit to print. But the fact is, what you're really getting is all the news that a small group of editors at the New York Times deemed fit to print. And there's a big difference between that and getting all the news. So whatever its flaws, I recommend DIG as a very valuable alternative to the kind of pretension you get at the New York Times, on the CBS Evening News, and all the traditional gate-kept media. And, hey, have a look for yourself. Just go over to www.digg.com and take a look at what I've been talking about. They have all kinds of uh, fun things there, by the way. They have something called Swarm, where you click on that and you get a a sort of screen that shows the various articles that are being submitted and that people are commenting on in real time. And it really gives you a sort of nice picture of what you can get on DIG. Will DIG replace the New York Times and the CBS Evening News? I don't think so. Any more than Wikipedia will replace the Encyclopedia Britannica. But like Wikipedia, DIG, I think, with all its flaws, is a refreshing piece of news in and of itself because it is letting other people, rather than the professionals, rather than the executive editors, decide what's good for us to read. John Lennon and the Beatles, I Dig a Pony. And, you know, the Beatles were turned down by 26 different record companies. Can you imagine that? 26 different morons, A&R or artist and repertoire people, as they're called, at 26 different record companies must have had 10 ears because they said no when the Beatles came around with their first recordings. And, of course, EMI and Capitol Records finally realized what geniuses the Beatles were, and their records are selling even better today than they ever have been in history. Frank Herbert, 
who wrote Dune. You've heard me talk about this before. He was turned down by about 25 different publishers. So, you know, you don't need any more evidence than that of how experts can be wrong. So, you know what? Dig Wikipedia, all of those systems with all of their flaws. It's good that we have them. Let's get rid of the experts, at least in their ubiquity. Experts control almost everything in our society. Let's open up even more things to just what people want and what people think are good. Now, speaking of digging and burying, dig this sweet berry. This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no E's dot com. Thank you, Patsy Terrell, for that nice little word about Blueberry. It's more than a network. It's a community. And Light On, Light Through is indeed uh, proud and happy to be part of that community. Let me mention a few other places that I'm proud and happy to be part of. Uh, I've had an exciting week or two going around and making guest appearances on other people's podcasts, which I love doing. Uh, if you go over to Just Not Right, and the name of that is Just Not Right, but the podcast page is notrightpodcast.com uh, with Jake, you'll hear me uh, making a guest appearance and reading a letter to Windex that Jake talked me into reading. So I'll say no more, but it's really hilarious. Uh, Go over to Just Not Right, and uh, you'll hear one of my guest appearances. And then uh, on the podcast, OneMinuteHowTo.com, and there the uh, podcast page is just that, OneMinuteHowTo, O-N-E-MinuteHowTo.com, with George. You'll hear me talking for about a minute on how to finish what you start writing which is very important, I think, because what's the point of starting to write if you don't finish it? And while we're on the subject of uh, advice and lessons, uh, let me mention to you my newest podcast. It's called Ask Lev, and you can find it on 10minutelessons.com, and that's 10minutelessons.com. And by the way, I'll put all of these uh, on the show notes on the lightonlightthrough.com webpage. So don't worry if you don't quite write this down. But over at 10minutelessons.com, let's see, I think I have about 11 little lessons uh, from about three to five minutes, uh, most of which are about how to write. And so sort of another version of how to finish what you write. But in particular, over on 10 Minute Lessons, I talk about writing a novel. I talk about going head to head with Bill O'Reilly on The Factor, how to make white tea, what is Wikipedia, a variety of bite-sized little uh, pieces of advice. Hey, you know what that is, baby, our promo suite. And uh, this week we have, once again, the fabulous, savvy Mike Thinks. We have my man, Sean Farrell, 
And uh, Sean and I are going to be doing an exciting project. Uh, I'll be telling you about that in the uh, weeks and months to come. You'll hear a promo for Jersey Todd, the demon attorney of New Jersey, and uh, also for Jason's Sci-Fi, that's Fi with a P-H-I, uh, .com show. And uh, Jason's going to be doing an episode soon on the chronology protection case, so I'll tell you more about that when I know about it. And depending upon what your feed is, you may hear a few more promos as well. So listen. It was really good talking to you today in 2007. I really appreciate your listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. We have some really exciting things coming up in the weeks and months ahead. I'll tell you about them as they happen. In the meantime, sit back, relax, enjoy. out the Mike Thinks podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com. Hey, publishing fans. This is Sean from the Adventures in Sci-Fi Publishing podcast. If you're a fan of science fiction and fantasy literature, and if you're interested in learning the ins and outs of the publishing business, then this is the show for you. I interview best-selling authors... Ari Salvador, so thanks for taking the time, Bob. Ah, it's great to be here. ...industry experts... This is Keith R.A. DeCamdadella. ...and new writers who are blazing the path of publishing's future. I am uh, Brandon Sanderson. So join me today at www.adventuresinsci-fi-publishing.blogspot.com and become a part of the adventure. Did you walk out of the Matrix and wonder if you're a battery in a jar? Did you walk out of Daredevil and wonder, what is it like to be a bat? Do you and your friends stay up at night debating good and evil in the Star Wars universe? Does the question of life, the universe, and everything intrigue you? Then open your mind and tune into The Sci-Fi Show, thescifishow.com. And that's five with a P-A. The Mr. Science Show, your weekly prescription of popular science. We talk about the science you want to hear about in a social context. For more stories and for the podcast, check out MrScienceShow.com. I'm Mark West. Have you been injured listening to average podcasts? Have you been the victim of pod faders? Have you been fraudulently induced to listen to a podcast that has substandard pod safe music and a really lame host? Then I urge you to subscribe to the Jersey Todd Show at www.jerseytoddshow.com. When another podcast is responsible for your podcasting injuries, we will work to provide you with the best podcast experience available. Jersey Todd is a real New Jersey lawyer that has no desire to waste your time talking about the law. Hey, this is Matthew Ebel, and I've been listening to The Jersey Todd Show with Todd from Jersey. And it's okay. So if you're in an accident or injure yourself at work and you're injured really badly, you should call an ambulance. Chances are the ambulance driver is listening to The Jersey Todd Show, www.jerseytoddshow.com.